you know, I always like, um, you know, continuous improvement and stuff. And I ran across, you know, I, I have a friend that I, I meet up with. She's an entrepreneur and it has a similar mindset that I do. And we have these sort of, you know, chat sessions every once in a while. And she, you know, although we kind of share similar things, she approaches it slightly different. And every time I, I leave that, I just come up with something or come up with something valuable and I try to give her valuable things. And she pointed me to a few things. And, and when she says, do something, I'll just do it. Right. I won't even question it. I'll just experiment it within it and ran across um, an interesting concept which was, you know, around purpose. And, you know, purpose to me generally meant sort of everyone has a unique purpose. But this lady, uh, Mel Robinson, says we we all have the same purpose. I'm like, what does that mean? Right. <laughs> so she says that, you know, our you know, everyone's purpose is to be seen and to be able to express their true self. And she also went into um, areas around, you know, sometimes, you know, as we grow or as we sort of move down our path that there's that feeling of stuck. And she says, the feeling of stuck is, is just a sign that you're not growing, right? And just really simplify it. So because when you are uh, sort of sleepy, you know, or tired, you get sleepy, right? And her thing was, if you're stuck, you're just not growing. And she really simplified that. And I really like those things. So I'm just keeping that in mind. Welcome to the EBFC show, the easier, better for construction podcast. I'm your host, Felipe Engineer Manriquez. This show is all about the business of construction. Today's episode is sponsored by Bosch Refine My Site is a cloud-based construction collaboration platform that applies lean principles to enable your entire team to plan, communicate, and execute in real time. It's the digital tool that works in tandem with your last planner system process and puts it all together in one simple collaborative ecosystem system. This easy-to-use platform is available in English, German, Spanish, Portuguese, and French and can be used on desktops, tablets, and mobile devices. According to Spencer Easton, Scheduling Manager at Oakland Construction, Refine My Site, in my opinion, is the best, leanest tool on the market for the last planet. Here's what our users have to say. We've looked at three other digital scheduling platforms and none compare to the straightforward approach Refund My Site takes. From milestone planning all the way down to daily tasks, this program gives every general contractor and their trade partners meaningful collaboration, accountability, and KPIs. Register today to try Refund My Site for free for 60 days. Today's show is also sponsored by the Lean Construction Institute. LCI is working to lead the building industry in transforming its practices and culture. Its vision is to create a healthy and thriving industry that delivers outstanding project outcomes every time for everyone. Check the show notes for more information. Now, to the show. Welcome to the show, Tots Nakagawa. Tots is an entrepreneur, an author, and the podcast host of the Specify Growth Podcast, Check him out on all your favorite social media places and where you can get all of his podcasts. We will have links in the show notes below to get his full bio and get connected with him. 
is absolutely open and approachable. And I think we first met each other on TikTok of all places. Is that right? Absolutely. I was just messing around trying to learn. And, you know, I saw you out there trying new things. And I just, I love people that are always trying new things and push the boundaries. So that's how I connected. Yeah, I love that. A lot of the stuff that you talk about on TikTok is focused on entrepreneurship for the most part. I see a lot of content in that way. And you've got, uh, you know, quite the entrepreneurial bug. It's, it's bitten you pretty hard. <laughs> you've been like a, a serial entrepreneur for a while now. What, what would you say got you started in uh, becoming a business owner? It goes back to when I was 10 years old. I had a friend that had a, a pear tree in his backyard. And I just came up with this idea. I thought, you know, why don't we take these pears and try to sell them? So we we went out and we found a uh, a bus stop that was right next to a convenience store that wasn't selling selling any fruit. We we put up this uh, table and started to sell these pears. And these pears were ugly. They're really <laughs> ugly. <laughs> and uh, you know we weren't you know we had a little bit of sex success, but not much. But just before we were packing it up, there was a guy. And uh, his girlfriend that came up to um, our table and he, he looks at us and says, I love entrepreneurs. And he pulls out his wallet and pulls out a crisp $20 bill and gives it to us. And, you know, back then that was a million dollars to us, right? <laughs> and so here we are, you know, we thought of an idea we tried it. The execution was poor. Um, you know, we didn't know what we're doing, but, you know, just for trying, just, you know, having the, the courage to try something, good things can happen. And I really always love that idea of being able to sort of create or make something happen. And that's really stuck with me. I've had a few sort of other interests that came up over the years, but, you know, when some of those sort of passing phases went, I just went straight back to entrepreneurship. Since I was a small kid, probably almost the same age as you, I did something similar selling pizzas after events were over. <laughs> and my dad always recounts the story to family, friends, and relatives that don't know why I'm so busy as people think. But really, we're just having fun following our passion, trying to solve problems for other people. So I think uh, experimentation is something we have in common. And you said something there that really resonates with me on being agile and adaptive and having the courage to try something, even though it didn't work, right? You, so you, you're out there with your ugly pairs, no marketing, no advertising, no signage, I'm sure, right? You're just standing there. Did you even have a sign to say how much the pairs cost? Um, I, I think we had some really, you know, like hokey looking signs, but you know, we did get something right. So that was right. the, that was the crazy thing was is like, you know, we, yeah, that someone was having to uh, sort of give us a chance and to do that. So I love that. So whenever I see someone trying, right, especially if they're early in the game, I, I just can't help try trying to see if I can help in any way. Oh my God. That is something that just makes you so connected to humankind. And I think that uh, that act of kindness has probably spurred on and encouraged so many more entrepreneurs to get started and stay started. And now tell me about uh, how you end up moving to Canada and, and kind of 
leading a roofing materials company of all the things you can be involved in? Well, uh, entrepreneurship is not a straight path as, <laughs> as some of the books will sort of lend you to believe. Yeah, so when I when I wanted you know dig into entrepreneurship, like in my university days, I knew I needed help. Maybe nowadays, with all the podcasts and stuff, there would have been enough resources. But I I, I really felt that I needed a mentor, and you know maybe in the business world it wasn't as sort of common back then. But I come from sort of a bit of a sporting background, which I really enjoyed. And you wouldn't dream about you know doing a sport like for instance I play tennis without a coach. That's almost unheard of, of doing that. So for me, it was really natural to, to look for someone to help me, you know, on top of the, the reading and all the other things that I was willing and interested in doing. And I was lucky, lucky enough, a friend of mine introduced me to an individual named Peter Rosen. So he was an inventor type. You know, he invented the Windows media player. He sold it to Bill Gates. He worked on some early 3D printing technology. He worked on a steel measurement technology that later partially inspired the MRI. So he invented a whole bunch of things and he was very unique and I wanted to learn from him. So I was willing to work for him for free. And, you know, I was doing anything, photocopying, punching holes in, in papers, anything that I can do. And we, we st uh, struck up a friendship and we started to like do small things together. And that's kind of how it started for me. Wow, it's incredible. Did I forget incorrectly? that I thought you lived in the US for a while before. Oh, you know, I was born in Japan for a couple of years. I was in Canada. I went to the US to play tennis and then I came okay. back. Just for so, tennis. Okay, just for yeah. sports. What part of the US did you uh, call home while you were here? Temporarily? San Francisco. All right. University of San Francisco. I played on their tennis team and it was a fantastic experience. So between my entrepreneurial bug for, for uh, a moment, I was like, maybe I wanted to, you know, try my hand at, you know, professional tennis, like low level professional yeah. tennis. Yeah. And, you know, I, I put everything I into it for a short period of time. But when that dream passed, because the injuries came because I was working so hard, then, you know, my, my passion of entrepreneurship. But just to just to like answer your question a bit more, the first businesses that I started, you know, I wasn't sure where I wanted to go with things. So they were all around uh, marketing companies. I, I For some reason, I've always love the idea of marketing and I've had interest in it. And uh, I spent a lot of times helping, you know, a lot of other companies market their services, but more particularly products, you know, products and product feasibility, product launches that, you know, required, hey, you know, a little bit of technical feasibility, market feasibility, you know, how do you launch it cost effectively? And I really started to really obsess over the idea of why do some ideas really spread and why do some ideas not win? And I really start to look at the mechanics of that. And I spent, you know, a good period of time over 10 years, you know, you know, launching many products for other companies, but also doing a few of our own. And in the beginning, I was like, I love the, you know, the idea of like yeah. this product, no one knew, uh, knows about it. And then you work really hard, you catch a few breaks as well. And it's in, you know, a thousand or 2000 stores, or, or you lobby, and then you get it onto a TV station, and then you get 50 million views because it got syndicated. And, wow. and I kind of, you know, the mechanics of it was fun. But then one of the main things that happened, it was, I started to really question some of the things I was helping put into the world. 
You know, like, does the world need another one of these plastic things? Right. And, you know, (laughs) sure. (laughs) But it's not a good way to to grow a marketing company when you become really, really critical about the things you want to do. And maybe now there's more role models around companies that operate around that. But at the time, I just couldn't get my head around it. It didn't seem like there was enough alignment. I couldn't see a path with what I was doing. And what I remembered was Peter, the inventor, and mm-hmm. still my business partner today, is um, he invented a coating. It was a plant-based uh, coating, and he accidentally invented it at that time, 20 years earlier. And how he invented it was, you know, back in the, the late uh, 80s, there was a lot of higher-end curve wall uh, houses. And you know, the, the old way was the carpenter had to come and, you know, with the baseboards, cut the baseboards into Lego sized pieces <laughs> of wood and then reassemble them painstakingly in. It would look bad and everything would drive everyone nuts. And, um, you know, Peter's friend is a carpenter came to him to try to solve that problem. And he, you know, wanted to create something sustainable because he believed in sustainability before it was popular. And he created this sort of, you know, flexible, you know, you know, sort of paintable sort of, you know, you can put nails in kind of solution for that. And as a byproduct of that, he accidentally invented a coating that he commercialized a little bit, but he didn't do anything. So going back to like, you know, for, for now, you know, 13 years ago, um, you know, I, I convinced him to relaunch it because it was sustainable, it was high performance, it had 20 years of field history, which you don't get with most products. No, you don't. And I was like, this, this, there's alignment, you know, bringing this to the market feels good. And one of the big coincidences at the time was there was the entrepreneurial reality show Dragon's Den, which is exactly the same as the Shark Tank, even with some of the same hosts, Kevin O'Leary, Robert Herchevich. And so they were piggybacking a competition on the regular reality show, and they were looking for the best sustainable innovation in Canada. And long story short, out of 4,000 companies that entered, you know, Peter pitched it and, you know, we won. And essentially what that gave us was $100,000, no strings attached. That was the, the prize money that Pepsi put up and essentially 12 million views. And that's how we initially launched a company. Oh, it's an incredible story. That's like a rags to riches Cinderella story that I absolutely love that. And uh, oh, there's the a lot of lobbying and, and trying to convince, but yeah, absolutely. We just took everything that we learned from, you know, launching products and, and it was a great product, but essentially, you know, no matter what, if something is going on TV, it has to present well. And one of the big things we have to solve for is how do you make a coding, Right you know, sound or look awesome on TV. I mean, paint, drying, coding, curing. I mean, yeah. that's, that can be very, very boring oh, on yeah. TV. And um, one of the things we came up with was, hey, why don't we make it a cooking show, right? You know, you cu- he comes out, he's mixing the ingredients, part A, part B. Yeah. He puts it on a Teflon pan and then is mixing it and it sticks to the, the Teflon pan in front of the judges um you know while it's happening and that was the ta-da right <laughs> and uh luckily it, you know the demo didn't mess up and everything went well and it looked good on tv all in one take 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of people listening to this hear stories or read books about success and people just completely jump over the thousands upon thousands of failures or iterations. And you said something before, and I'm definitely pulling that string back again. You said it takes courage to do what you do, to think and do differently. Also, when you walked away from selling another plastic thing, that took courage too to change directions because it didn't resonate with you. And I think a lot of people get stuck in just routine and habit and don't make those changes. What type of rules do you have or philosophy that pushes you to definitely pivot, change, and adapt? Sure. I, I think if you look at different areas of your life and you know where there's resistance, like resistance to change, I'm not saying every area, but there's there's an opportunity in there, you know, and probably multiple opportunities where life is better on the other side. And each time that occurs, you know, I have to remind myself of that case, right? But, you know, how many times where, you know, people have been sort of forced to make a change and then, A, it wasn't as bad as I thought, right? And right. then, holy, why didn't I do it sooner, right? So, <laughs> so accelerating that is, is, is always been my, my interest, and and doing that and i've always sort of tried to even with my hobbies i've always loved the feeling of goal improvement and you know finding different things to do and and what i've learned over the years is like to find different patterns of behavior there are different things that exist for change to occur like i, I went through an exercise once and, you know, people my age, you know, I'm in my 40s, you know, typically have gone through three or four major changes in their life, right? So I went through this workshop in which you map that out. So they say, hey, look, when this change happened, what process did you go through? Who was in your life, right? What was the steps? And if you kind of look and map the different areas of your life out, you start to see patterns. And then you start to think, well, hey, this person was always around, or, right, this happened, right? And I, I start to become a little bit more around, uh, aware on who, who was around, what did I do, what is my path, what is my typical methodology around it? Do I start reading books? Do I hire an expert? You know, how do I get inspired? And then I try to recreate more of those scenarios where that occurs. But some of the some of the biggest, I think, breakthroughs for me personally have come when I was out of the day to day. Right. Because sometimes when you have a routine, and you're stuck in a routine, everything is similar. But when you kind of like find some way to break that. And, you know, a lot of times for me, it happens if you're on taking some time off. Right. Whether it's a short vacation or something like that. But I think like more specifically, the things that have been the hardest for me over the years to really understand is the health aspect of the entrepreneurship, right? Like you're, you're trying to improve your driving and to really find a way to back off and to understand and to be able to execute on, you know, taking care of yourself and, and stuff like that. So I think for me, those are the, the hardest things. I think the the other failures are the, the hardest things are, for instance, delegating, right? Earlier in my career, it was just like, hey, if I can figure it out, I should do it. 
and you know understanding what it takes to do proper team building and stuff like that and i mean i could just go on and on all the areas but i think <laughs> yeah. entrepreneurship for someone that loves personal development or improving there's just an endless supply of things that you can improve. And every time you think for a split second, right, you just let yourself think that you've got it, then, then you know, something comes around and say, no, no, keep going. <laughs> and that's the fun and, and, and sometimes the suffering of it. Your rules, it sounds like you've built in reflection, which I know in, in Japanese culture, they call the Hansei, and it tends to be, can be prolific as part of the culture. It's something completely foreign to Western culture. We don't have natural reflection moments that are daily. We often will even have, like in where I'm working every day in the construction industry, we'll do an entire project that might be three years long. And we don't reflect on how the thing's going until three years when it's done, you know, like one time. And so we borrow things like that Hansei or personal reflection or smaller iterative reflections like we use things like agile or scrum to make it more rapid get that faster feedback or like you said sometimes use a coach use a coach or you know delegate and when you delegate things which is hard for especially type a people to do because we like to have adventures hands-on right i'm <laughs> guilty as well i like to get my hands dirty and everything before i ever delegate it i i can't think i've ever delegated something without having done it at least once or almost all the way to mastery, which well, is probably too much. Yeah, mastery is maybe too much unless you really love it. I, but I think I've, for me, being able to delegate effectively is to be able to do it at some level because I think that's that's hard. Like if you look at the business, there's three major buckets, in my opinion. There's demand generation, there's operations, and then the financial side, which is doing it properly. You're not going to be good at all three. I've never met anyone great at all three. I've seen many people that are good at one, they're average at two, right? Uh, that operate very well. They're good at two, they're average at one. Um, but I've never seen anyone all good at three. And I think one of the things I go back to, and this is one of the turning points of operating better for me was understanding something called the three weaknesses. Have you heard of that before? No, I haven't heard. Tell me okay. more, please. So, and I learned this from Bob Berg. So he's uh, the author of Go Giver. So he goes, and, and this is where my examples is, okay, so the first type of weakness, okay. I am a horrible cook. And luckily, you know, my wife doesn't care. My family, you know, I've offered to improve it. She wants nothing of the experiment. So <laughs> you know, weakness, <laughs> weakness number one is something you don't need to improve because it's it's not important and you know no one is asking for it and you know you can leave it alone. Okay, so weakness number two, and I mentioned before, you know, although you don't need to be great at the three buckets, you need to be great at one, but you need to be average at two. And how I was operating before was I was not great at operations and I was not great at finances. I can pass now in both of those, but okay. I really needed to mitigate that, right? So the position I'm in, I need to make strategic calls on things and I can't be, um, you know, not knowledgeable at all in those other areas and, and to be able to sort of pull those things together to make a, you know, a decent decision that, uh, you know, that can move us forward. So 
what are the things, depending on your goals, do you need to mitigate? So it, it doesn't need to be a strength, but it has to be covered, right? right. And depending on the type of business you're in, there's certain things that need to be at least average or other goals that you have. Okay, so weakness number three, if you have world-class goals or you have big goals, which require certain weaknesses to turn into strengths, well, that's what you have to do, right? So right. I think you have to look at the portfolio of weaknesses that you have and ask yourself, what can you ignore? Because you can't be good at everything. You can't address everything. What do you need to mitigate? And what do you need to become world-class in with what you're trying to do? Great advice. The three weaknesses. You know, a lot of people listening to the show, Tats, are into continuous improvement and specifically lean construction methodologies. And as we try to go about doing that work on our projects, we're often faced with resistance, resistance to change, which is something you tapped on. Has there been a time in your entrepreneurial experience where you met resistance? And if you did with other people, especially your business partners, or even the marketplace, because you said it before, sometimes we make products that nobody wants, right? What did you do to overcome that resistance? the thing that you have to first uh, approach it with is empathy, right? Because at any given point in a business, you know, I can be the bottleneck, something else in the business can be the bottleneck. Like the clear sign is if you can't find the bottleneck, it's you. <laughs> and that's, that, that gets me all the time because yeah. I can't find it. I can't find it. And then the only logical explanation is you. Yeah. And so the thing is you have to approach it with empathy because sometimes certain people get certain things quicker than others. And I, I admit certain things, it just takes me a while. So step one is approach it with empathy, right? Step two is to find, find people within the organization or within the community that get it, that support what you do, that understand what you do. And then I think you talk about this a lot, Felipe, is, you know, which I adopted is make it easy for people, right? Yes. Break it up into chunks, make it easier before it gets better and manage manage the, the goal. So I, I really like that. But the, the second one is, a lot of people try to take it in one, you know, swing, right? They're yeah. like uncomfortable. I need this, but you need to be able to marinate in this place of not doing it perfectly and being okay with that. As long as there's incremental gains towards the, the bigger thing. And to, to understand that there's just a certain point where you're just fire hosing people too much and there's just too much change that's occurring and, you know, that's the case. So change is occurring all the time. Someone um, explained entrepreneurship to me in a certain way, and it's always stuck with me. So entrepreneurship is the process of shaking things up, changing things up, systemizing it and, and locking it down and then shaking it up again. And there's different individuals that do that, right? So it, why does that need to occur that way? It's just because things around us are changing all the time right? So customer needs are changing, right? You know, the, the things in people's lives in your organization is changing all the time. So there's never a point where everything is running like, quote, unquote, a machine, right? Talk about like, they're all operating non-linearly and, and in different directions, right? So when I see like people explain systems and machines, 
but the parts keep changing shape, right? right? So it's just like, how do you keep it close? And how do you pay attention to it? And how do you adapt to it? And and that's the thing, right? Like things are working, working, working until they're not. What's something that repeatedly hit you multiple times before you learned? Yeah, I mean, it, I just go back to my health thing, right? So like when I graduated out of uh, university, my because I was doing uh, human kinetics. So, um, you know, I, I had a personal training background because when I was doing tennis, I was like, I'm like an all-in type of person. So I, I did personal training. I, I had my tennis coaching thing. So I know about fitness. I know about staying in shape. But when I started entrepreneurship, what was I doing? I went to school. I had a, I had a job. I was volunteering, right? Learning as an entrepreneur, you know, early in the 2000s to mid 2000s. I had two companies, two small companies, and I was on four boards. And I wow. remember I was doing a you spread yourself. You really <laughs> spread yourself around. And, and I was at a, you know, it was kind of this in, ministry of industry event. And I was speaking in English and Japanese. And my Japanese is horrible, by the way. But <laughs> someone thought it was a great idea. I was doing this. I was so sick. I was so sick. I could barely speak. I had this you know, this kettle thing underneath the, uh, the the podium and I would pour myself some hot water and drink it so that like my throat wouldn't throw, uh, you know, sort of close up on me. Wow. And I'm like, I have to slow down. I have to like not volunteer for so many things. And I did that, but then just this many patterns of like kind of getting pulled back into it because the lucky thing for me is, you know, I've been surrounded by great, great people, like, you know, through all these associations and the things that I've done, um, I've been just, you know, people that accomplish a lot, but then it, it puts a lot of pressure on you or me, at least that you want to do that because, you know, want to keep up or, and stuff like that. And I've really had to figure out how to pace myself and how to sort of figure out Know, what I need to do to find that sort of balance between or better alignment is a better word on what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to accomplish. That realization when you're drinking the hot water, not to seize, did you have that epiphany? Like I need to disconnect a little bit or did one of the people in your network coach you and say, Tots, it's too much. No, that was the first one. Like, like that was, that was on me because I was so sick and it was just, you know, not good. I think the second time, because I didn't learn, I didn't learn my lesson was a little bit more recently is, you know, the, the business is doing better, but there's a lot of stress. Um, and, you know, you know, I gained a lot of weight and I should know better because I know what to do to get into to shape. Right? right. And I was on vacation we talked about, right. And I was reaching to tie my shoes and I felt this pain in my stomach and I didn't know what it was. It freaked freaked me out i went to the doctor and they told me that i was just i'm just out of shape right and all these sort of thoughts uh crossed in like you know i have young kids you know how do i play with them and stuff and i started to take my health a little bit more seriously and i did it incrementally like i started to walk five minutes a day small just incremental things other things I've learned and other things like when I was reading one book a week I would just try to read six pages a day and then there's momentum so I did that and I was hyper focused on it and I lost 80 pounds in 10 months whoa which, 
was a little aggressive. So was, I mean, that's like record breaking. It was very aggressive. So it was too aggressive at the end there. But but for, since then, I gained some of the weight back, the pandemic. But I've, I've maintained a, a higher health and I sleep better and stuff like that. But but those are the ones that have been tougher for me, just to really kind of um, when I was competing in sports and stuff like that it was easier. But as my interests are like, you know, creating content or stuff, you'll get as much exercise in that. So I just have to remember to to do that. That's right. When we're creating content, uh, we almost have to stand still. I've seen some people that have mastered the walking TikTok where they're walking down the street. I'm just looking people, just so you know, I'm looking for the neighborhood where that'd be a good place and a good idea to do where I'm not gonna have to worry about getting hit by a car. So, so far, I have not found that neighborhood yet. I'm still looking. You know, you've hit a couple times on these different patterns. You had like a pattern to change your health, starting with small incremental improvements. So people, if you're listening in the construction industry, this is something that we need, me included. I'm putting my hands up first. I need more walking, more exercise in my life for sure. And so I think that that's a great approach to go small improvements. You went from five minutes of the day, 10 months at the end. Did you, were you already to jogging, resistance training? Where were you at the end? So we can just Yeah, compare. so so what happened was um, you know, before I just had this limiting belief, which was, hey, if you exercise enough, you can eat what you want. And I, I knew it was kind of a lie. You know, these lies you tell yourself, <laughs> it's convenient. Yeah, so yeah I that's really such had a to... good lie, Tots. <laughs> so everyone, everyone listening, let's say that one more time. He said, if you exercise enough, you can eat what you want. He knows that's a lie. I've said that same thing when I was in my 20s. And when it was in my 20s, completely different hormone profile, I could get away with it. Now in my 40s, I can't. So then I just accepted the fact that the diet was 80%, right? And uh, walking, and I start to remove small things, like just, you know, incrementally, right? It was like, okay, let's remove this snack here. Let's eliminate some of this sugary stuff here. And, and yeah, I mean, I'm very good when I have one goal, right? right. I, I think when I have multiple, so that was really just my goal. And I think for me going forward, I think that the tough thing for me is many times when I have to maintain something is how do I change the goal, right? So, I, you know, I'm growing, I'm trying new things to, to get the same result, right? Because I'm, I'm not the type of person that could just run that same program again for the same reason. So how do I evolve it so that I'm getting the same result and, and keeping it interesting? Because exploring and, and trying new things is interesting. So um, yeah, so that's that's ongoing things I think about. Oh, that's cool. But what about, uh, what was the exercise like at the, at like month 10 or month nine? Yeah, Versus, so like- Because you could, you could still be just walking five minutes a day and having- Absolutely. So you, you think about it in uh, systems terms, okay? So, um, you know, coming from the fitness industry, right? Because I ran fitness facilities and I ran fitness conferences um, when, when I was doing it for that time. And typically, the, here's the pattern, okay? So let's start in January, right? We ate too much for Christmas. Absolutely. And then we feel so guilty. And then we start going to the gym, right? Yes. And three weeks into it, what happens? We somehow stop. And what's happening there is when we add a new activity into our schedule, what happens is most people don't account for the excess or extra energy. Like for instance, if you're running another, let's say you're running 
60 minutes a week, right? Three times a week, 20 minutes a time. Are you sleeping an extra hour or two a week, right? People just pile it on to their oh, existing yeah. schedules. So it's only a matter of time until you get sick. Think of it as a bank account. You're make, when you're resting, you're making a deposit. When you're exercising, you're withdrawing. So what's, what's your balance sheet, right? So you right. always have to look at it. So something's got to go. You have to like, you know, remove two episodes of Netflix or something like that. So that's the math that most people get wrong. And that's why two or three weeks in, we're exhausted, we're tired, we get sick, we're off for a week or two, and we're out, we're out the routine, right? right? Essentially, you can ask different people, it takes three weeks to three months, depending on who you talk to, to get a solid routine. So essentially, you just have to ride out a program that you can make, you know, good on, right? So if you start at five minutes, well, you're doing that to build a habit, right? Then you go to 10 minutes, right? After a week or two, then you go up to 30 minutes after whatever. And your body is adapting, right? Like it's, right. it's resting more, it's your muscles are getting stronger. So you're, you're gradually adapting, or, you know, you're not like, skipping a meal like from the beginning right which is like oh no the caloric intake goes down your your, your muscles aren't recovering as fast and then you, you can get sick from that too or you get stressed out right and then you binge eat right so looking at it from a system thing is really important everyone has these tendencies right so what are your tendencies and how do you anticipate what you're gonna do right like and look at everything in your life to see if is it supporting what you're trying to accomplish or not? Like, for instance, let's say your goal is to exercise every day. Well, you look in the uh, closet and you have three pairs of shorts. Yeah, that may be a problem, right? <laughs> That's a so you sure. reduce friction and yeah. to make that easier, like, does it help when you tell someone, right? What is your tendency? Engineer that into your program and try to figure that out. And that, you know, you're more likely to achieve your goals, but try to figure out what the realities of the, the breaking points in your system are. What I really like about that pattern that you used is one, you were like, I cannot touch, I'm having an issue when I touch my shoes or tie my shoes, it's going to affect my ability to have fun with my kids. And so you had a, a problem with an emotional connection that made you make a change. So people listening, if you're trying to implement something different on a project, or on a team or with yourself, like who, who would say yes to better health? Like all of us, especially now as we're heading into the winter months or coming out of the winter, depending on when you listen to the show. So you got to have a reason why you want to make change, communicate that to other people. So, you know, like some people like to have an accountability buddy. I mean, for you, your kids would know, dad, you're not playing well and probably complain verbally. Cause that's what kids do. They tell the truth, <laughs> right? And then you're also getting the feedback too. Like, is it easier to play or not over time? I bet now you can move around much easier than you could before. Yeah, yeah, de definitely. I mean, they're, they're getting faster too. So it's a, it's a losing battle, but I'm trying. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I know I'm, at the, I'm telling my own son too. It's like, I think you can outrun me now, which is okay. That means I got I got something to improve, right? Small goal, keep up with them, have, keep having fun. And then you implement that pattern of small improvements. You know, one of the things I've heard in addition to, having people in your life to help keep you accountable or you keeping yourself accountable and just being honest, right? Like I have this goal. Now, do I have an environment? Like you said, if I only have three pairs of shorts and I want to be outside exercising every day, clearly I'm not supporting my goal. So you got to make those changes too, to enable that change to happen. 
I also like the fact that you can share with others and help each other. One, one of the people that I talk to, I'm going to give a shout out to Mr. Brian Melcher. We talk every single week about fam. Oh, it's always like this. Tots. It's always family, then business. And then from those two, depending on what's going on, we might talk about personal health and we keep each other accountable and say, you're pushing too hard or give some encouragement because we're on this similar type of quest to make positive changes. So we're a little, we're a little nutty that way, right? All right. Just like you are, like you're on the same quest to, you want a, a good sustainable environment. You care about the businesses you're engaged in and you're trying to make a difference. I mean, all those cool things and you're sharing, like it, it's spilling over with you too, because you're podcasting as well and bringing people on people. I've been on Tots' show. Like we'll put a link in the show notes to my interview on his show as well. You can check that out. But I think it's so fascinating. Like we have all these passions and we're out there sharing and, and, you know, it's not for everybody. Right. But these patterns definitely have some can be like, can be thought of like recipes, these type of systemic things and thinking, you know, what, uh, speaking of all these patterns and spilling over, what led you to write a book? Wow. Yeah. When we were um, launching so many products, one of the frustrations uh, we had is people sort of really falling in love with their product. And it was just out of sheer frustration, just having to explain this over and over because the market doesn't care if you like your product, right? right. And you know, I ran across this more simpler uh, explanation or just example. It was something called the 3 a.m. test. And I'm, I'm not sure if you heard it before. No, I haven't heard of this either. Okay, so I, I got this from the direct response wor uh, world. Is Okay, so let's say you have an idea, okay? You know, Felipe, you have a, you know, you know, you're so excited. You got this idea. Imagine yourself going to a prospect or potential client's house at 3 a.m. in the morning, and then you bang on their door. You go bang, 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 and no one answers the door. You're so excited, you kick the door down, right? And, and you, you run upstairs, you open the bedroom door, and you grab the, the individual, and you shake them and say, wake up, wake up, wake up. And then you go, blah, and then you tell them your idea. So you have to visualize Will they hear your idea, get so excited, stay up with you all night, talk about it uh, and plan? Or are, are they going to look at you like you're crazy and go back to bed? Like, how good is your idea? And that bar of what is a great idea is quite high, right? Like, you know, yes. so. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking of so, some ideas as I was shaking the person in my mind. And I was like, oh no, they're going back to sleep. No. <laughs> so I, I think just, you know, having sort of the ability to um, have that humility and, you know, create that distance, doing the, the research um, properly and stuff like that. So, you know, we really, you know, that's the book we wrote. And I think um, that one of the successes, and I'll tell you the one of the failures with that book was, that one of the successes was, like when you write a book and, you know, you get to meet a lot of people and you've written a book as well, right? right. So Absolutely. you know this, you get to meet a lot of people, you, you get to speak, you get known as an expert. And one of the, the publishers at the time, our, our publisher, a small publisher who, who's since published like a thousand books, but at the time they're on uh, book nine or 10 or something. So they gave us a lot of attention and introduced us to a whole bunch of people that invented all cool things. And 
and we're happy to to get Steve Wozniak to to give us a testimonial, like he was best friends and him and Steve Jobs followed their thing, which yes, I mean he was just too kind. So that was a success. But here's the failure. The failure was, um, you know, I, I didn't go out promote it to the world. Like I was just kind of like a little uncomfortable with it and the attention, right. and I kind of like went halfway with it, and so. If you think of entrepreneurship, think of when you first start a company, think of it as you walking across a two by four. And as your company gets bigger or you get more attention, that two by four goes higher and higher and higher. And as you know, when you look down, it gets more nervous, right? More people know when you're failing and more people, you know, you, you let more people down and stuff like that. And to me, that moment, you know, that sort of attention and that opportunity, I just kind of let go. And I've really didn't really capitalize on the way I could have. And I was just, you know, more reflecting on it later. But as an entrepreneur, you just have to become more and more comfortable in failing in public and looking silly. Because if you limit yourself, you just won't grow enough to be able to sort of, um, you know, keep progressing along. So I've always tried to, you know, become more comfortable speaking on camera or communicating. And a lot of the podcasting stuff I do accelerates the learning, which I love that part, but it also helps me kind of keep that muscle and and stuff active because just like going to the gym and me gaining, uh, you know, some of the weight back, it can come back quickly, right? You just have to kind of keep going at it. So that's what that's about. No, I, I love that too. And people, the name of his book is Overcoming Inventory-itis, yeah. Yeah. Inventory Itis, a silent killer of innovation. And yeah. where can people find that book? Because you didn't even tell us where to get it, Tots. Uh, well, I, I have a website, Tats Talks, which um, sort of consolidates some of the stuff, you know, with the podcasts and the videos that I've done. So, so there you go. So we're going to go to tat, tatstalks.com. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And we'll make it easy for you people because that's the name of the game. It's going to be in the show notes description below. So you can get there and check that out and look at the forward by Steve Wozniak himself, co-founder of Apple. And back in the days, if you don't ask, you don't get. Tots, it's been amazing having you on the show. I can't believe how fast the time has gone. And you've definitely shared lots for our audience. People, Tots is in the business of helping other people and inspiring. Please check out his podcast, Specify Growth. Check out his links. Get to know him. Direct message him on TikTok. If you're on there, follow him on TikTok. He puts out a mountain of content, which I absolutely appreciate seeing you in my feed every single day, Tots. Thank you to contributing to my learning and my growth. I super appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much, Felipe. I appreciate the opportunity. Very special thanks to my guest. I'm Felipe Engineer Manriquez. The EBFC show is created by Felipe and produced by a passion to build easier and better. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Let's go build. <laughs>